0: The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IMG Roma podcast. I'm so excited to have today's guest. I feel like I say that all the time, but it's because it's true. Um, today's guest is Dr. Shaw. Dr. Shaw, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you
1: for welcoming me to the show. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, we're excited to have you. So, you know, everybody's going to be thinking who is Dr. Shaw? What makes her an IMG? What's her deal? So can you give us a little bit of background?
1: Okay. So hi, guys. I am Devan Shisha. Um, I completed my med school last year. So I graduated last year from State GS Medical College and KEM Hospital, Mumbai. And I'm currently um, three months old, PGY-1 pediatrics resident at my Monterey Medical Center and Children's Hospital, Brooklyn. Um, so as an IMG, um, I have I had dreamt about coming to the US to do my residency, and now I'm finally living my dream. And it's still surreal at times, but um, here I am. And uh, during the process, I started my Instagram page at the pediatric school to help people along the journey, and also sort of make it uh, a sort of storehouse of my memories and. Uh, everything I was feeling at the time of uh, the interview season and then the match and now as I progress through residency so that's uh, some part of my story.
0: Yeah so we usually want the details right so you finished medical school what year was that that you said?
1: Uh, I graduated in um, June 2020 so that's just last year in the midst of the COVID pandemic.
0: Yeah and you are starting you just started residency in 2021 so you barely I mean you literally graduated and just got right into residency
1: which is something that a lot of
0: IMGs want to know how they can plan for that so can you give us some background as to what your medical education was like in Mumbai India and when you started studying for the USMLEs what did you do in order to be on time so to speak
1: okay so um I am actually part of one of the really good medical uh, institutions in India. But with that comes the fact that it was uh, it was it is a very detailed training only because we get so many patients. We are like one of the largest tertiary care centers in Western India. Um, so, of course, um, we have a lot of patients. So a lot of work is there along with studying. I decided to do, uh, you know, U.S. family when I was in my, third year of medical training so um, a lot of my friends who already were on the USMLE path had already completed step one by then like um, so I was the, one of the late bloomers I did not know what to do so I talked to a lot of um, people I read a lot of articles and tried to figure out uh, my pathway and uh, we have a, a five and a half year MBBS course so when I was in what? what would have been my fourth year of medical school is when I applied for electives. And I did not start studying for the steps. I did not do that as the first thing. I decided to get some electives under my belt and um, concentrate on actually clearing my university examinations of MBBS because they are quite tough. And I thought, you know, I should not be divided between trying to do well in the steps or trying to do well in my university exams. So in my final year of MBBS, I was only concentrating on applying for electives because that seemed to be the only thing I could have some sort of control over. And that is way back in 2018. So that time we even had the step two CS examination. So I thought, you know, while I'm in the States, I'll complete my step two CS exam. So I applied even for that, you know, all the paperwork for all of that was underway. I completed my final year MBBS examinations uh, in January 2019. And almost two days after that, I flew into the United States to do my rotations. I was because I applied very early in, uh, like almost like a year in advance. I was able to secure rotations at uh, first at the University of Kansas, where I did an elective in hematology oncology, and then my second elective was at the University of Alabama in pediatric endocrinology. Both of which were very amazing experiences because they actually introduced me to American healthcare systems, to the EMRs, to the way they, the way the life is here in the United States. And I found some amazing mentors who later wrote me very good letters of recommendation. So it was a very fruitful trip. I finally went to Houston, completed my Step 2 CS examination after uh, staying there and studying for it, and then flew back to Mumbai and started my um, last year of MDBS, which is Uh, our mandatory internship so basically an internship is you are working as a doctor in all the major departments of the hospital such as you know you will be an intern in internal medicine pediatrics obgyn and general surgery and many other things and you will basically be working as a junior most doctor on the field. And because, as I said, we were a very big tertiary care system, we used, it was a very uh, demanding internship where we used to work a lot. But um, the thing is, my parents and I thought it best that I should join residency as soon as possible. And the only way to do that was applying as soon as I graduated. So I made a plan for myself that I will complete all my steps, graduate in time, get myself ECSMG certified and go in for the match the very next year. So the moment I made a plan like that I had to be very you know diligent in my planning for the rest of the year so once I came back in April 2019 I decided that I would complete my step one in December 2019 so I kept very uh, you know specific goals for myself like I was I had a timeline plan since the beginning um step one in December 2019 and by um July to August of 2020, I would complete my Step 2 CK, which would give me adequate time to be ECFMG certified, and then go in for the match. Uh, meanwhile, I also tried to do another elective in May uh, while preparing for the CK. That was the plan. Now, of course, uh, internship was extremely difficult because uh, I had to juggle my work along with my studies for Step 1, which meant a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of pushing myself. and But luckily, I got done with it. Uh, my step one score was 241. So um, I wouldn't say it's the best score out there. There are obviously people who've done better, but I was happy and proud of myself because um, for me, it had been a very tough few months and I'd been able to still achieve a score, which was uh, pretty good. I would say decent. So I was proud of my own self. Um, I completed my internship and started studying for step two CK. And that's around the time that in um, you know February March of 2020, you know the pandemic had just begun. We were hearing sounds about COVID coming in, and then things changed drastically. Um, I had been selected for a pediatric oncology sub internship at Memorial Sloan, which I was going to attend in May 2020, but which obviously got cancelled. Pro-metric centers all across India started shutting down. We went into a lockdown. A lot of personal problems are arising in my life at that point of time, uh, you know, with the health of certain family members. But um, while I, while, I, while all this was going on in my life, all of this juggling with all sorts of things and all sorts of uncertainties of even not even getting graduated on time, uh, I was trying to study for Step 2 CK. So it was like, uh, it was like a lot of things happening at one point of time. And, um, but I still kind of persevered only because after a point, I was like, I have to get this done with, I have reached this point where I've completed step two CS and step one and only one more step to go. So I was just pushing myself and eventually in August of 2020, I wrote my step to CK. Um, and, I, and somehow I managed to score a 241 even in that, which is obviously not the best score. I've hoped to get way more than this, but well... Um, considering everything that's going on in my life at that point in time i am happy i was able to even score this much uh but eventually um you know things are looking up when the pandemic sort of abated for a bit uh during the, uh, you know that time august to september of 2020 and i was able to get my degree get myself ECfmg certified and that year it was announced it's going to be virtual interviews which um which was both a pro and a con because um Virtual interviews means even if I could not travel to the United States, I could still participate in the match. But I was also unsure of how virtual interviews would be like. It was a whole new thing, and I would not know what kind of programs I'm getting myself into uh, during that time. But I just we just continued doing what we did because, you know, once you've committed to a plan, you try to stick to it. And going into the match was the only way forward that I could see for myself. So, you know, I just stuck to it. Uh, I remember in that September, almost like a year ago, I was uh, researching in programs and I came across uh, the website for the Maimonides Children's Hospital Pediatrics Residency Program. And I absolutely sort of fell in love with it. Like, I thought this program had everything that I wanted, personally. But, of, of, of course, I didn't want to, like, put all my eggs in one basket or apply broadly. Um, I think October uh, 21st was our deadline last year, delayed due to the pandemic. And then um, eventually um, interviews started coming in. Um, the main thing that I feel in my CV at that point of time, which I realized while writing my ERA CV, was the experiences I'd accumulated unknowingly. So I'd always been somebody who was very active in medical school, as in, you know taking part in various events, uh, you know, organizing different things. And luckily in my medical school, we always had something or the other coming up and different departments wanted to always host different events. So I would always be like the first person raising my hand to go for it. So I had a lot of those experiences accumulated. I also worked in an NGO uh, called Pragati. Pragati means progress in Hindi. So we used to go into the pediatric wards and we used to see children and we used to work with them. It, It was like child life, like we would... You know, play, uh, do activities, and you know, just try to get these children to uh, accommodate their illness and their anxiety, and try to come to terms with that. And in fact, this experience of mine with Tragati was a part of my personal statement as well, because that literally made me decide that pediatrics is what I want to do, and um, hence um, all of those experiences and my test scores, I believe, and my year of graduation, all of that. Put together, probably made me, I think, a good enough candidate, and I got quite a few interviews. Um, and uh, luckily, my second interview itself was from Maimonides Medical Center. And although I tell everybody that that was one of my worst interviews because I kind of got logged out of the Zoom session midway, and I don't know, a lot of things happened wrong, technically, technologically, with that interview. Um, I don't know. I somehow managed to probably do well in it, and. I ranked it first and luckily I mashed into it. I mashed into my top choice. And um, in fact, just today morning, I was reading through my letter of intent, which I had written to the program director that I will be ranking Maimonides number one. I had told, I had written that in the letter and I just sent it off thinking, you know, who, who's it going to harm, you know, if I just send in a letter of intent and just say that I'm uh, going to put them number one. Maybe they don't want me, but at least I tried. That was my thought at the time of putting in my rank order list. Uh, earlier this year and then on March 19th when I got to know I was going to go to Maimonides uh, I was ecstatic and even today it feels surreal that I'm actually working in this hospital where I've always wanted to be and it's everything that I had dreamed of so yeah that is my journey I think and I'm very very happy to be here.
0: Yeah that's such an amazing story In and- It definitely speaks to several lessons that I wanna reiterate for our listeners today. Um, So a few things guys, um, in listening to Dr. Shaw, I think sometimes we often think that we have to finish medical school and take this long gap to prepare for USMLE. Like it's some kind of huge feat, okay? Like it's some kind of challenge that requires a sacrifice of years and years and years of, of studying which is one of the biggest deceptions that exist in the IMG community, when indeed mm-hmm. the better way to do this is what she did, which is plan for it simultaneously with your current education. Don't stop what you're doing in order to start your USMLE journey. On the contrary, work with what you have in your hand while you begin your USMLE journey for a couple of reasons. One, like in her case, you learn that if you start early, you can complete these exams and still match in record time without having to suffer a huge gap from your year of graduation. Two, you can incorporate your away rotation to your electives in the states alongside of your current work. And that actually two programs looks better because you came in as a student, you were still enrolled in your MD or MBBS program in another country while you pursued your US clinical experience, that is just as much as mimicking what the US grad would do. And because that's the norm here, it makes it to where your timeline seems to be just as normal as the person who is um, a local American grad. Now, the third thing I want to point out is for those of you who have the opportunity to already be in practice, I think you have an upper leg when it comes to even studying for the USMLE because you have a lot of clinical knowledge, which is highly Mm -hmm. applicable in the sense of being able to understand what the USMLE is like and what critical thinking it involves and the three-step thinking that they, you know, the complex reasoning that they want you to apply. Those things usually, I think, advanced learners, like most IMGs are able to quickly grasp onto. But once you start, you know, stopping everything you're doing and, shifting gears without necessarily continuing to work in medicine, I find that that's when people experience the most challenges. So Dr. Shaw, from your story, I just wanted to point out those three key points because oftentimes, you know, most people are listening, they're on the go, they're, you know, doing the dishes or cleaning the, the house while they're listening to this. And I just want to make sure that those points are really like salient and driven in. Number one, you don't have to stop what you're doing to start your Yosemite journey. Start now. Just do what you True. can while you're going through what you're going through. So let's talk a little bit more. I want to shift gears and talk about letters of intent because we're recording this episode right around the time where ERAS is going to mm-hmm. open soon and people are going to start applying and, you know, the trepidation of waiting for interviews slowly begin. So what was in your letter of intent and how did you formulate it? What are some thoughts that you want to share on that? Okay, so firstly,
1: I would like to say that there are two kinds of letters. There's a letter of interest and a letter of intent. Now, I myself did not know, like if you had asked me one year ago at this point, what is all that? I did not know, but I learned through talking to a lot of other applicants as well. So a letter of interest. Is something I wrote for a few of my programs around the time, somewhere mid- midway in the interview season, around December. And I wrote that to those programs whom I was like, whom who I thought were um, IMG friendly or where I could have gotten an interview and I had not been extended an interview yet. So a letter of interest basically is that you state your interest in the program and hope for an interview from them. Every letter that you write should be short and um, succinct but you know should be clear enough to point out what you truly want so don't beat around the bush when you're writing such letters basically um you write a little bit about yourself as a candidate maybe you can put in your scores your graduation uh what kind of experiences you have and what you are going to what you are currently doing clinically and um You can write about your clear interest in the program and, you know, why you want to be there in that program. So you can pick up things from their website. A lot of these program websites have some wonderful wording about the program, which you can incorporate into your letter, which shows that you had an interest. You went to their website, you actually checked it out and uh, you know about the program. It's not just like you are writing a generic letter to all the programs. You're actually personalizing the letter to each program. And you um, put in your interest for getting an interview there and you can send out such a letter to the program director and CC the program coordinator on that. Um, The letters of interest I sent out as an IMG, I sent it out to like, I think 14, 15 of my programs, which I was interested in. And I got back around four, five interviews from that. So that actually packed up my January uh, month, much more than what originally looked like. So yes, letters of interest work, but disclaimer, they work if you have something to back it up. So if your CV is good, if, if, the, if your profile overall is good, the letters of interest will make somebody actually pick up your you know, application and go through it and be like, okay, this candidate seems good. So maybe we should extend an interview. I don't know how we had an oversight. You know, that's a feeling. On the other hand, the letter of intent is a letter you write to the program you're planning to rank number one. Now, that is, if you have a clear enough idea of who you're going to rank number one, you can send in the letter. Um, again, I do not think it actually makes or breaks the chances at a program much. Uh, I mean, I had a friend who did not write any letters of interest and still matched into his number one choice. whereas I wrote to mine, and I matched into my number one choice. So at this point, I do not know if they truly work or not. But I mean, there is no harm in sending out a letter. I mean, you may never know how it works in your favor. If you write the letter of intent, in that you basically clearly state your intent of ranking it number one. Hence, do not send it to more than one program. Send it to the program you are going to rank number one. Otherwise, it just you know looks bad that you sent a, uh, stating number one to like two three programs and then you ended up not ranking those other programs. So it's just don't do that. Like basic you know courtesy sort of. And um, in the letter of intent, you basically state your intent to rank it number one why you like that program so much to rank it, number one. And you could probably even add what you would bring to the table if you were uh, chosen by them to become a resident doctor in that program. So you can just state it that way. Again, keep it short, keep it sweet. Do not write long paragraphs here. This is just, they get inundated by such letters at this point of time, all the program directors and coordinators. So, you know, just keep it short and sweet and just be direct about your plan. If you do wish, you can write a letter of intent stating that you're going to rank certain programs highly to your top three or top five programs, but that is just a reach. You know, that is only if you truly want to do it. It does not have historically a lot of effect on them ranking you, uh, but it's just, it's just I think, gives us a sort of security and uh, some sort of, uh, you know, peace of mind to write such a letter of intent and hoping that, hey, you did the most you can to get into your top choice program. So yeah, I think these are the letters that uh, pro- anybody going into an interview season should know about and should probably keep in mind and um, work towards.
0: Absolutely. That's so such great advice. So another question that we have for you tonight is, what are some key items that people interested in pediatrics need to know about when preparing themselves for their pediatrics application?
1: That's a great question. Um, So firstly, uh, to all the people who truly want to apply in pediatrics, please don't apply to pediatrics if you think it's a backup choice or it's just one of your fail-safe programs to go into. Committing to pediatrics is a lifelong thing. So unless and until you're ready to deal with children of all ages and their parents, please uh, do not think of pediatrics as the kind of lifestyle you want to go for. You have to be prepared for it. Um, secondly, if you do plan to do pediatrics and are passionate about it, gain experience with children. And this could be both as a rotation, clinical experience, or even in by volunteering for it. So I had my first experience, my first brush with pediatrics was not, as a rotation per se, but as a volunteering experience as I spoke about, Pragati, the NGO which I worked with, uh, I worked a year in it where I would go every week and we would do, you know, different sort of, you know, uh, fun activities with them, like, you know, clay modeling and, you know, finger painting or something. And it takes a lot of patience and a lot of effort to actually, you know, deal with children who are all cranky and fussy because, of course, they are ill. And to sit with them and, uh, you know, uh, make them do something fun. But it is so rewarding at the end to see these children smile and go to their parents and show, oh, look, look what I made, you know. So if you're truly somebody who gets motivated by that and are ready to put in the effort, then pediatrics is the branch for you and you must gain experience in all of that. Also, another important thing is pediatrics is not like internal medicine, so it ju- it does differ. So in pediatrics, um, experiences, especially volunteering experiences or experiences where You've had a lot of communication. Uh, you've dealt with a lot of people. Basically, it shows your people skills, are values. That is, of course, because you will be dealing not only with the adults who are parents, but also with children of various ages, like young toddlers to adolescents. So, having experiences which speak about, you know, uh, which speak about your talent to, you know, address issues, need. Manage teams, manage people, communicate. These are all important and always speak, for, speak good for you. So over here in pediatrics, experiences matter a lot. Volunteer experiences matter a lot. Having clinical rotations in pediatrics is important because um, uh, having at least one American letter of recommendation from a pediatrician matters because it shows that, you know, you were able to work in an American healthcare system with the children and were able to hold your own in that. So, yeah, I mean, these are some of the things I would like people to understand about pediatrics. And even if you have high or low scores, you have a chance if you've been able to prove that you truly, truly want pediatrics and that's it, you know. So, yeah, do not come into it if you think that it's a backup because then your CV also won't reflect that and then it will be like a, it will backfire for you.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to talk about intentionality and honesty Mm -hmm. and integrity. And for those people who listen to my podcast and who've followed, to, or followed my journey or, you know, subscribe to any of my resources, they do know that those are three tenets that I don't take lightly uh, mm-hmm. because you have to be an honest person in order to um, get the things that you want out of life. I think sometimes we think that we can sort of manipulate, right, or uh, for lack of better words, cheat the system. And we forget that when it comes to your application, everything on that paper matters in the sense that if you haven't done any work in peds and you're going to now place it as a backup plan and have zero experience, that's why you'll get zero interviews is because there's nothing that speaks to why or how you'd be a good pediatrician. Or if you take your internal medicine personal statement and just change it over to pediatrics, it doesn't work that way. Or, exactly. or whether it's family medicine. So, you know, do things because that's honestly what you want to do. Find integrity, or, or add integrity in your work. I usually believe that those tenets usually position us for success a lot faster than trying to maybe cut corners or thinking that we can manipulate mm-hmm. our way into things. Because if you're not, if you don't have any piece experience, no rotations, no volunteer work, Nothing to to show your commitment to the specialty, and this goes for goes for every specialty. If you have zero commitment to the specialty, then you really have to question why anyone should believe you to start with. And then, second, yes. if if you question yourself as to does anyone believe my interest in the specialty, and you have doubts, then you need to take action and do something about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as we round up, uh, what are some final thoughts that you have as pieces of advice for others that are coming through this journey?
1: I think one of the most important things is plan, plan and plan. Um, It is possible to complete the entire journey in two to three years if you really plan for it. Um, You will have to work really hard, like you will have to juggle, you know, your Whatever, wherever you're coming from, like I came from an MBBS background, and I had to juggle with those exams and all of those requirements of my intern year along with um, juggling my, you know, studies. But because I had I had put my mind to it, I could do it. So you know, plan well, commit to it, and uh, just work really hard. Hard work pays off. So um, I think I think these are the three main things for anything in life, including residency planning well, committing to it, and hard work. And if you, like, build upon these qualities, they will pay off in the long run, even when you are a resident doctor. Because as a resident doctor as well right now, I can look back one year and look back now. Um, Whatever I tried to build as a human being during my time, being a US family aspirant, and now as a resident doctor, it has helped me because I can, you know, I'm not overwhelmed because I have planned things. And, you know, I commit to my patients and I make sure that they get the best from me, whatever little I can do, even as an intern and eventually hard work. Like you, when you come here, you realize when you're in this American system that, you know, everyone's really committed to it. And, you know, um, however different it is from our home country system, there is this absolute, as you said, Dr. Loom, integrity. And that is what shines. So if you are hardworking and you know, you show that and you never, you know, you are not the kind of person who's like, oh, I want to go home or oh, I want to do this, or I want to do that. But you give your patients your best. It really shows. And everyone can see that over here. And, you know, you will be rewarded for it as well. So, yeah, I think these are some of the basic things. Like if you build them up as a USMLE aspirant, it pays off in the long run. And obviously it helps you match into the program of program that you really want to go into. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Guys, you can follow her on Instagram at the pediatrics girl. And I hope that in the future, we can have you back to discuss some more pertinent IMG topics. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.